You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, September 29th, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, phone, keys, wallet, brain, from the New York Times. And even moderate drinking has its risks from Scientific American. Plus, does it matter which COVID-19 booster you get from time and more time permitting? Here's our first report. Phone, keys, wallet, brain. Some memory lapses are a normal part of aging and not cause for alarm. By Jan C. Dunn from the New York Times. I was in the supermarket recently when a woman came running toward me. Jancy, she said. How are you? I smiled. She looked familiar, but what was her name? As she chatted, I silently recited the alphabet, hoping it would jog my memory. Please don't let her name be Zoe, I thought. I can't fake this for much longer. It's natural to wonder whether our memory is getting worse as we age, and those concerns aren't unreasonable. Some 5.8 million Americans live with dementia, which is marked by a significant loss of cognitive functions. And the biggest risk factor for dementia is aging. But some age-related memory lapses aren't cause for concern. I spoke with four experts about the ways memory shifts, how we can remember a bit more, and when to discuss forgetfulness with a doctor. Temporarily blanking on names and misplacing items is normal. I asked Dr. Mario Mendez, Director of Behavioral Neurology at the David Geffen School of Medicine at the University of California, Los Angeles, about age-related memory problems, but he corrected my choice of words. I'd say memory changes, he said, and that does not translate necessarily into a problem, he continued. In a study of nearly 50,000 people, researchers found that short-term memory peaks around age 25. But starting in your 50s, Dr. Mendez said, the area of the brain in charge of memory retrieval is less efficient. Still, being less efficient is different from impairment, he said. So if you're struggling to remember that movie starring that guy, the memory is often there, Dr. Mendez said. It just takes longer to surface. And then, lo and behold, five minutes later, you remember, he said. Forgetting your car keys or someone's name is often seen as a brain malfunction, but it's not, said Dr. Ronald Davis, professor of neuroscience at the Herbert Wertheim UF Scripps Institute for Biomedical Innovation and Technology. We are inundated with so much information, said Dr. Davis, and the brain has to manage memories. Forgetting is a normal part of one's brain function, he said. There are ways to keep your memory relatively sharp. Just because memory changes are normal, it doesn't mean that you can't try to improve your memory, said Dr. Armin Fesheragizade, an assistant professor of neurology and psychiatry at Yale School of Medicine. Instead of using recall-enhancing tricks, like the one I tried in the supermarket, a few lifestyle changes may help. First, Dr. Fesheragizade said, limit multitasking. It's not good for your brain health in general, but as we get older, our capacity to multitask typically diminishes, he said. Be mindful of stress, which has a direct influence on memory, Dr. Fesheraki Zeta said. 
Several studies link sleep loss to memory deficits, he added, so do your best to get adequate rest. Diet can also affect memory. Eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and healthy fats has been shown to correlate with better cognition. Finally, Dr. Fesheraki Zeta said, a half hour of daily cardiovascular exercise can generate new neurons in the hippocampal area of the brain, which is critical for memory consolidation. Sometimes a doctor's visit is in order. There are circumstances when you should check with your doctor, Dr. Fesheraki Zeta said. If someone who knows you well points out that your forgetfulness has changed significantly, it might be a sign of something more serious. Early signs of dementia, according to the Alzheimer's Association, include losing the ability to retrace steps, problems judging distances, and increasingly needing memory aids like notes or phone alerts. If you feel like memory loss is disrupting your daily life, make an appointment with a doctor, said Scott Small, a professor of neurology at Columbia and author of Forgetting, The Benefits of Not Remembering. A good clinician, he explained, can explore potential causes for memory problems, whether it's a disease or other factors, such as certain painkillers or sleeping aids. After talking to the brain experts, I felt reassured, and my friend's name, as it turned out, was Erica, so I had to fake recognition for only a few seconds. Up next, even moderate drinking has risks. Now, research shows even a little wine is not benign but risky enough for abstinence? By Lydia Denworth from Scientific American. Wine with dinner is a lovely thing. I enjoy a glass or two, though rarely more. I have seen the terrible toll of alcohol use disorder and know the risks. Or I thought I did. I judged my drinking moderate and relatively benign. A decade ago, scientists and public health experts agreed with me. A drink or two a day was safely within most public health guidelines, and research even suggested that a little alcohol could protect against cardiovascular disease. But earlier this year, the World Health Organization, or WHO, stated any amount of alcohol was dangerous. There is no safe amount that does not affect health, the group declared. Canadian authorities redefined moderate-risk drinking as three to six drinks a week, down from a daily level of two for women and three for men. The U.S. now recommends a limit of one drink a day for women, that is 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, or 1.5 ounces of spirits, and two for men. The message is clear. The chances of harm begin with the first drop. This radical shift in thinking made headlines. Then my own doctor advised me to cut back. I was willing, but I wanted to understand what exactly I was risking with each sip of Sauvignon Blanc. Previous health advice was designed to stop people from becoming alcoholics, says psychologist Tim Stockwell of the University of Victoria, a former director of the Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research, who has helped develop guidelines for three countries over 25 years. It wasn't so much how you protect your body from cancer, liver disease, or losing a few months or even years of life expectancy, he said. Now a growing body of research says any alcohol raises the chance of premature death from a variety of causes. About half of cases of liver disease are attributed to drinking. Alcohol is also a potent carcinogen. 
It can cause cancer because it breaks down in the body to form a compound called acetaldehyde, which damages DNA. That damage can lead to at least seven types of cancer. Fifteen percent of breast cancers are linked to alcohol, and according to the WHO, half of cancers in Europe linked to alcohol are caused by light or moderate consumption. These risks seem to cancel out evidence of alcohol's cardiovascular benefits, which was weakened anyway when researchers did more nuanced studies. The heart protective theory was based on the finding that moderate drinkers had better cardiovascular health than both non-drinkers by a little bit and heavy drinkers by a lot. But those studies lumped all non-drinkers together, including those who had quit because of substance use issues or illness. As a result. Abstainers looked relatively unhealthy, and moderate drinkers, many of whom exercise and eat well, looked pretty good. The fundamental issue is who is in the comparison group, says psychiatrist Sarah Hartz of Washington University in St. Louis. In 2018, when Hartz and her colleagues compared thousands of moderate and very light drinkers, one or two drinks per week, the advantages of moderate consumption basically disappeared. Other studies got similar results. By 2022, the World Heart Federation stated that alcohol did not protect people. Still, the increased risk for light and moderate drinkers must be considered in context. The Canadian guidelines estimate one additional premature death in 1,000 could be attributed to alcohol for those who have two drinks a week. That risk increases to one in 100 among people who have six drinks weekly. People take similar risks every day. The lifetime odds of dying in a car accident are one in ninety-three. Yet we still drive. We eat bacon. We even go skydiving. We choose those things because we want to do them in spite of the known risks. Hart says, "That's where alcohol needs to be lumped." She says, "The choice is personal. For people with alcohol use disorder, the option is abstinence." People have long derived pleasure from alcohol. I am one of them, although my definition of moderation has shifted with the guidelines. I recognize that wine is not benign, and I have cut my consumption in half. But the occasional glass is a risk worth taking for me. Up next, does it matter which COVID-19 booster shot you get? By Alice Park from Time. Now that it's fall, it's time to get updated on your COVID-19 vaccines if you want to stay protected throughout the winter when infectious diseases flourish. But does it matter which shot you get? For now, there are only two options: both mRNA-based vaccines made by Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, is still reviewing data from Novavax, which makes a different type of vaccine based on recombinant viral proteins. Both Moderna's and Pfizer-BioNTech's vaccines are approved for people 12 years and older, and have an emergency use authorization for children under 12. Practically speaking, if you're eager to get your shot soon, you'll get an mRNA vaccine, since these are the only ones approved so far. And the sooner you get boosted, the sooner you'll be protected against getting infected and also from getting really sick. So most health officials will probably advise you not to wait for Novavax's shot if and when it's authorized. While the updated mRNA shots target XBB.1.5, 
a different virus variant than the ones that are circulating now, studies that the manufacturers presented to health officials show that the shots still produce a strong antibody response against the newer variants like EG5 and BA286. But if and when Novavax's vaccine becomes available, does it make sense to switch if you've received mostly mRNA shots so far? Does the type of vaccine matter when it comes to how well you'll be protected, both against infection and against serious disease? Dr. Kirsten Leike, professor of medicine at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, who conducted some of the earlier mix and match studies on previous combinations of vaccines, says she didn't see much difference when people who were vaccinated with earlier mRNA vaccines received boosters of earlier Novavax shots. It doesn't look like Novavax following mRNA is any better than mRNA to mRNA, she says. Those data, however, were based on studies that only looked at antibody levels people generated up to six months after a booster shot. Looking more specifically at how the mRNA and recombinant protein vaccines work, Dr. Otto Yang, professor of medicine at the David Geffen School of Medicine at University of California, Los Angeles, says there may be a difference between the two technologies in how the immune system sees SARS-CoV-2. Vaccines using the mRNA technology contain the genetic code for the virus's spike protein, and this code instructs certain cells in the human body to make this viral protein and then present it to the immune system. Recombinant protein vaccines like Novavax's skip that step and directly provide the viral protein. In theory, Yang says, that would mean that the levels of viral protein that the immune system initially sees might be higher with Novavax than with mRNA vaccines, since the amount produced by the mRNA vaccines depends on how many immune cells get the code and start producing the protein. But it's not clear whether those potentially higher levels of protein translate into stronger immune responses in the form of antibodies. The genetic approach of the mRNA vaccines, however, also has an advantage because it may produce a more robust T-cell response. T-cells and antibodies make up two of the major parts of an immune response. Antibodies are the frontline defenses designed to prevent viruses from infecting cells in the first place, and T-cells are then recruited to recognize and destroy infected cells and provide protection against serious disease. But in order for the body to generate killer T-cells, viral proteins need to make their way into a specific part of the immune cell, and mRNA vaccines ensure that happens. Viral proteins have to be in that area of the cell to generate the killer T-cell response, which has evolved to deal with problems like infected cells by killing the cells, says Yang. Recombinant protein vaccines are not going to access this part of the cell, he says. Studies have shown that it's likely the T-cell response, which could be slightly more durable than the antibody response, may be largely responsible for protecting vaccinated people from severe disease, since antibodies produced by any vaccine tend to wane after a few months. Antibodies seem to be the upfront gatekeepers, and T-cells seem to be the palace guard that clears out invaders once they get in, says Yang. That may explain why, as new variants emerge, some people who are vaccinated still get infected, but they don't end up in the hospital or die from their infections, as many people did in the early days of the pandemic before vaccines were available. 
Another advantage of a stronger T-cell response is that T-cells can also target parts of the virus that are less exposed to immune system attacks and therefore less prone to mutating. Experts believe T-cells may be recognizing the virus nucleocapsid protein, which forms the core structure of the virus and which remains relatively similar among the various variants that have appeared so far. Novavax says that its original vaccine also produces a good T-cell response because the vaccine is fortified with an adjuvant, or additive, that is designed to rev up the immune response and amplify it. That adjuvant can induce the types of T-cell responses that we think are more important in fighting viruses, says Bob Walker, chief medical officer for Novavax. He says the company is currently testing its updated vaccine in people to get more specific data on the antibody and T-cell responses the shot can produce. Personally, I think there is probably not a lot of difference between the two types of vaccines, says Likey. You get good responses with all of them. That's why anyone who is vaccinated probably has good protection even this far out from getting severe disease, she says. Which means that it's not that important which vaccine you get, but that you get one of the updated shots. Up next, steel cut, rolled, or instant oats. Which is the healthiest? When looking for a nutritious breakfast, oats may be the first thing that pops into your mind. But how do you know what type is best? By Abigail Abessimus Demarest from Eating Well. The oatmeal section at your local grocery store is likely filled with a variety of options. Steel-cut oats, rolled oats, instant oats, low-calorie, low-sugar, flavored, plain, and so on. Having tons of offerings can seem overwhelming to you, and a healthy food like oatmeal can become something that isn't so healthy once it's overly processed and has tons of sugar added in. In general, oats are a complex carbohydrate packed with beneficial fiber. Complex carbs take longer to digest than simple carbs, meaning they keep you full for longer, said Natalie Rizzo, R.D., a registered dietitian and the founder of Greenleats. Meredith Price, R.D., a plant-based registered dietitian, added that the high-fiber content of this whole grain can help lower cholesterol, manage blood sugar, keep the digestive tract healthy, and even aid with weight loss. Oats are also a great source of plant-based protein and iron, Price said. Oats can be processed into different products. Let's hear about the key differences and whether one is healthier than the rest. What's the difference between steel-cut, rolled, and instant oats? These three types of oats, steel-cut, rolled, and instant oats, start with the same first step. Oats come from whole groats, and then the outer hull is removed, Rizzo said. The outer hull, also known as the shell, helps protect the seeds. This leaves the bran, germ, and endosperm, which are the nutritious parts of the groat. From here, each product is delivered. Steel-cut oats. Steel-cut oats, also known as Irish oats, come from the first step of the oats process. These are the oat kernels that have had the outer shell removed. Essentially, steel-cut oats are the least processed type, hence taking the longest to cook. Steel-cut oats aren't rolled or flattened, but they are cut, Rizzo said. Since they aren't flat, steel-cut oats take a bit longer to cook than rolled oats, she said. A one-half cup of dry steel-cut oats provides 150 calories, 5 grams of protein, 2.5 grams of total fat, 
27 grams of total carbohydrates, 4 grams of fiber, 0 grams of sugar. Rolled oats. As mentioned above, the main difference between oat products relies on the manufacturing process, which will impact the texture and cooking time. As opposed to steel-cut oats, rolled oats, known as old-fashioned oats, go through a flattening process. After removing the oat hull, rolled oats are steamed and pressed flat, Rizzo explained. This process gives them a softer texture and reduces their cooking time. A one-half cup of dry rolled oats provides 150 calories, 5 grams of protein, 2.5 grams of total fat, 27 grams of total carbohydrates, which is 4 grams of fiber and 0 grams of sugar. Instant oats. Instant oats come from thinly cutting rolled oats so that they cook quickly, Rizzo explained. Of all three, instant oats, also known as quick oats, are the fastest to make. A one-half cup of dry instant oats provides 148 calories, 5.5 grams of protein, 2.75 grams of total fat, 27 grams of total carbohydrates, which includes 3.76 grams of fiber and 0.5 grams of sugar. Which type of oatmeal is healthiest? As you can hear, the nutrition profiles for these three main types of oats are super similar to each other. As far as plain oats go, there isn't one kind that's healthier than the other. It's a common misconception that one type of oat is healthier than another, said Rizzo. They are all actually identical in terms of their nutrition. The difference is how they are rolled and cut, she said. However, Price added that since instant oats are the most processed option, they generally have salt and added sugars. This puts them on the lower end of the healthy spectrum, but they're still healthy, she said. Should you buy steel-cut, rolled, or instant oats? The short answer, it depends. While nutritional profiles are similar across the board, you now know that steel-cut oats take the longest to cook, and instant oats, as the name suggests, take the shortest amount of time. Steel-cut oatmeal needs to be cooked over the stove and takes about 10 to 20 minutes, plus the time it takes to bring a pot of water to a boil. Instant oats can be prepared in the microwave and ready in a minute or two. Old-fashioned oatmeal, however, falls in the middle. You can either prepare it on the stove or microwave and takes around three to five minutes. If you're someone who struggles with time management in the morning, go for either rolled oats or instant oats that don't have any added flavors or sugars, Price said. Another thing to consider is texture. Steel-cut oats have a firmer consistency than rolled and instant oats, which have a smoother, creamy-like texture. With all of this in mind, go forth and enjoy your oats however you please. Rizzo eats them hot or cold as oatmeal or overnight oats. Also, Rizzo uses them as a binder for veggie burgers and a base for energy bites. Price prefers rolled oats for making oatmeal or overnight oats, adding in chia and flax seeds for extra protein and omega-3s, nut butter for more protein and healthy fat, and fresh or frozen fruit for more vitamins and antioxidants. Up next, dirty air is a heart threat from Consumer Reports on Health. High ozone, which can form when air pollutants react with sunlight, was linked to a greater risk of hospitalization for ischemic stroke or heart attack in a Chinese study. The American Heart Association says if you're at very high risk for heart events, staying indoors when local air is hazardous 
can reduce ozone exposure. And the source is the European Heart Journal. And check your meds before cancer therapy. If you're going to have chemotherapy, review your medications, over-the-counter products too, with doctors beforehand. A study of 718 older adults with advanced cancer found that one in four was at risk for a serious interaction between chemo and meds for other conditions. And the source for this one is the journal Cancer. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.